So we realized with our past episode that people were probably like, who are these bitches? <laughs> kind of just threw ourselves into the deep end a little bit. Yeah, so we wanted to rewind a little bit and kind of just like introduce ourselves, say what's up. That way you guys can have some some things to, to put to the sound, I guess one might say. Um, I'm Shannon. I'm Lauren. Um, and see, this feels fucking unnatural. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. <sighs> it just feels so like, I like, who gives a fuck what our names are? Like, we're Shannon and Lauren, okay? And we're coming on and creating this podcast because, frankly, there's a lot of shit out there that people don't talk about, including sexual assault, dealing with it, how to talk to people about it, how to have sex afterwards, how to feel comfortable in your own body, how to tell your parents, how, like, what are the different reactions to it happening to you, and then everything that comes with that dating, having, like, strong relationships and friendships, trusting people, and we want to come on here, and we just want to fucking talk about it, and that's what matters, and that's why we're doing this, and we want a resource to be out there for anyone who has dealt with anything like this or honestly is just curious about it so that's why we're here today so that was well said yeah that was good yeah like the the why is what we were talking about earlier and like we're here because we were both sexually assaulted and or hashtag raped whatever you want to whatever your (laughs) word of choice is and we just felt like when we were Sorry, let me rewind. We were both sexually assaulted, and then we both had a court case um, that we went through. Together, and, might I add. Yeah, together. We, we Along were, with other women. A few other gals. Who also had been assaulted by the same man, which is a very interesting experience. And we can talk about that later in the podcast as well. Yeah. Um, but the thing was, is when we went through this process, it's like people talk about being sexually assaulted. Like, you know it exists. It's out there. But... I felt like, and I think Lauren can agree, that we were really missing this sort of resource. Like, what is it, all of these basic things as Lauren was talking about, um, like, how do you go about life after being sexually assaulted? Because at the end of the day, it is something that kind of is like a landmark in your life. Like, I frequently think about my life as, like, before (laughs) sexual assault. The me before it happened to me, after. B-S-A, and then (laughs) A-S-A, before sexual assault and after sexual assault. Yeah. And, like, life is different, and I don't think people talk about it, and really something that we definitely want to cover throughout this podcast is also um, the core process, because that was something that we were felt like we were navigating fully in the blind. We had no idea what the fuck was going on, and yeah, that's our intro. There you go. Yeah. Now you know who we are, and our credibility is that we've been raped. You're welcome. Welcome to the club. <laughs> um... Lauren just got back from Costa Rica. She also just had her first, second, first week Week, of grad school, which included law school classes. But I'm interested in knowing what Costa Rica was like, what you liked about it, what you didn't like, if the boys were cute, (laughs) and if you actually learned how to surf. Um, Also, not a lot of people get to go to Costa Rica. I have zero dollars in my bank account, so Costa Rica really... So, fun fact, flight's there, pretty fucking cheap. Um... And then my entire stay, like, I just stayed at a hostel, so it was, like, $100 for the whole week. Depends on, like, there's a shit ton of hostels there. Um, I feel like that's, like, kind of just, like, part of the culture of, like, surf town. And so it's not that expensive. I think the most expensive part was the food. Mm-hmm. It was, like, buying you can't, food here. Because you can't cook your food. They actually had, like, a communal kitchen, but I hate, I hate cooking, so that just wasn't ever going to fucking happen. Yeah. Lauren is, really Lauren really stresses me out when she cooks food, like, <laughs> cutting things on the pan with sharp knives. Yeah. On your I, non-stick pans. Yeah, I'm not well-versed in the chefing world, nor do I care to be, so that's never going to happen. If I ever get married, my husband has to cook. He, like, has to love to cook. Um, because I'm never fucking cooking. I don't care if I have kids and they're like, mommy, make me food. I'm be like, fuck no. <laughs> make your own food. It's takeout tonight, kids. It's takeout every night. Um, so yeah, food was expensive, but it was super cool vibe. It was like this like tiny surf town on like the west coast of, coast of Costa Rica. It's a bitch to get there. Like it took like an entire fucking day to get there. Um, but I made so many friends. It was so easy to meet people because like everyone there is like, 20 to 30 years old so whenever you go to like bars or like the club or like go listen to live music you just like automatically make friends um so it's very it's very like 
welcoming I felt like it's like college but in Costa Rica honestly yeah and it was kind of elite um it's like it's kind of like the stormy season so the surf was really big and scary and I got a concussion right before I left Um, a bad one she was vomiting oh yeah I was vomiting for like a whole day it was really fun um I went to the ER and then like three hours later was on a plane to Costa Rica we are not your doctor do not listen to us with medical advice well the doctor told me I could go to Costa Rica yeah he said just don't hit your head he yeah or drink I didn't follow any of those though how does your head feel now it feels fine you don't feel better but like when I was surfing it felt awful because the waves were terrible and I was just like getting my shit wrecked um and I kind of just like underestimated the like weight of the ocean. <laughs> I'm telling I've you only what? surfed a few times in the past, so like this was um a little bit much for me, but it's okay, being uncomfortable is good for you. Unless it kills you, but whatever. Okay. I don't know if being uncomfortable post concussion is like the right idea, but to each their own. Um But like with like regards to Costa Rica and trips and stuff. I think like being in like a situation ship, it's kind of weird because like the second you like leave the country, like just I don't know, like, like you're, you're not saying- dating anyone, you're not, you don't have that like obligation of like oh I can't hook up with anyone or flirt with anyone or whatever, but it's like he's moving to Germany. So you're you're talking about you have a situation ship like back home, mm-hmm. and then you go to a different country on vacay. And, like, having a situation ship with someone back home is weird because you don't know where your loyalties stand. Yeah. And, like, I, like, he's moving to Germany for a few months and I have outright been, like, hey. The man, the man you're seeing. Yes. Hey, when you leave, like, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, I don't want to hold you back. Like, literally, like, do what you want. Have fun. Whatever. Go to Germany. I don't exist anymore. Basically. Not that I don't exist anymore, but it's, like, I'm not going to... This trip existed before we existed, and I'm not going to, like, hold you back in any way. I want you to have fun. I want you to have the freedom to do whatever you want. I told him that. He has never said anything like that to me, but, like, I guess when I went to Costa Rica, I extended myself the same courtesy of, like, this trip existed before we existed. Like, I'm not going to... I want to have the freedom to, like, do whatever I want. If that means talking to guys, great. If that means hooking up with guys, great. I don't particularly need him knowing because like what the fuck is that going to do except probably like make him a little bit sad but like I feel like if I extended him that for his trip then like I should have the right to have that for my trip and like there's a reason I don't want to be in a relationship and one of the reasons is because like I want to have the freedom to like fuck other people if I want to love your honesty I mean for me I've always thought you know if you're talking to someone if there is no conversation of what does this relationship mean to you can i see other people are we exclusive are we not exclusive like if there is no conversation like that then you're not exclusive you can have you could have been talking to someone for two years and if there is no conversation about exclusivity then you're not and that's potentially really controversial but it's just yeah like in order to put a label on it you have to talk about it and even if there's no label like you should be understanding of what's going on on both both ends um that doesn't mean you won't feel bad or anything necessarily like you have you might potentially have like a guilt if you sleep with someone else or if you flirt with a guy and you have a situation ship with somebody else but you know i think like okay okay i agree i think the point is more of like if you really like someone then you don't want to hook up with other people you know and then like that could potentially be seen as like oh like i know we're not dating but like i thought you really liked me and so you hooking up with someone feels like it undermines the feelings you have towards me which in my mind like i don't agree with that i'm kind of like sex can be just sex or whatever especially like if you're on a trip you know you're never gonna fucking see that person again like so it's like fun it's like fun like you leave and like that's that whatever you're in this like completely different world surrounded by completely different people so it has nothing to do with your feelings or your attachment to the person back home it's just like i'm just here i'm gonna have fun and it's like an accessory to your vacation yeah it's like a an excursion (laughs) 
having sex with strangers, y'all. <laughs> having sex with strangers on a vacation is like going on an excursion on a vacation. Okay, but yeah. you do it. It's fun. It's great, and then you just never do it again. Exactly, and also like the men in Costa Rica. Well, are they are they Costa Rican men or okay, are they some just... of them? Yeah, but like there's also like the European men there. Mm. And on my last night there, I was like sad that it was my last night, but. The hostel I was staying at, like, kind of, like, turns into, like, a club. And they have, like, this huge party on Thursday nights. Like, this is their thing. And I was there. I was, like, hanging out with one of the people that I met at my hostel that I became friends with. And he had become friends with some of these, like, this, like, group of men who were from, like, Barcelona and Italy and stuff. And he met them surfing. They're tan and they have accents. Oh, yes. Yes. And so I'm, like, introduced to them. And I'm just, like, talking to them. And then they, like, start buying me drinks. And, like, we're dancing. We're having fun. We, like, go to a club. Like... We're just, it's, like, amazing. Like, they're just, I literally didn't buy myself one drink this entire night. Like, this Italian man is just, like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, I'm dancing with him. He's, like, buying me fun drinks. Like, we're having a great time. And then I had to fucking leave because I'd wake up at 5 in the morning to go to the airport. Boo, lame. So, but it was, like, stuff like that where you're, like, I'm not going to turn this shit down. This is fun. I feel comfortable. I'm having a great time. Like, it's just, you don't get to have a lot of experiences like that when you're back home. It's true. So you want to, like, take advantage of that and have fun. I agree. I think um, it's also, like, if you are in a place that you feel safe with the people you're feeling safe with, then the having fun, like, comes naturally. Like, you're, you're not going to Costa Rica, like, oh, I want to have sex with people, I want to do this and that. Like, you just went to surf and, you know, see Costa Rica, have a good time. And what enabled you to have a good time was everyone was super kind and open and all of that so that that's like what you're saying right was that like that well yeah people were just like everyone there was awesome like everyone there was just like had like really really good vibes to them which makes sense because you're in a freaking surf town in costa rica people are just like cool as shit and like all do cool things like all just like want to have fun and so i think because of that it just like created like a really cool community and anyone who's like been to a town like that like, would know that. It's just, like... Yeah. I also do think, though, there is this kind of um, alternate country aura that happens. Like, everything feels better when you're in Europe or Mexico or Asia or wherever because it's, like, different. So, like, everyone seems hotter. It's like when you're in the airport and, like, you have, like, tension with random strangers who really aren't that attractive, but you just think they're hot and you think that there's some sort of, like connection between you but there's not they're not cute but it's like the airport like it's this thing of we're traveling and there's this like odd like exploratory aspect to it and i think in countries that like you're not from like that you're visiting kind of have that same aura because everything is different everyone is just hotter like different people people that are unique are interesting they're hotter and it's the same thing when you're in a new place especially some place where people are shirtless a lot of the time and probably tan I had thought. Oh, something I would like to talk about. I don't really get hit on a lot at bars, which I'm okay with. Like, that's fine. I don't really need that in my life. It is kind of fun, I guess, sometimes, but I don't need that. Like, my boyfriend's great. I get lots of attention from him. I'm good. But the other day, <laughs> we're at the bars. Um, oh, also, it's only ugly men that ever do hit on me. I don't know why. I guess I just attract ugly men. Not my boyfriend, though. I feel like ugly men just seem to have more confidence sometimes which is very Weird. odd do you think they don't know they're ugly i don't know maybe they're just, like overcompensating Ooh, potentially. And they're like oh i know that like my looks aren't gonna get me anywhere but like maybe if i can just like be smooth bold talk and be bold mm. and confident yeah so oh yeah i haven't told you this at all so this will be fun Ooh. um so i'm standing in line to get a drink and this man I hear like a whistle, which like it's a bar, so it's busy. So I don't think it's me. And then I hear a louder whistle and I turn around and this man is like looking at me like, yeah, you. And I said, what, like what is going on? And he was like, I bet your daddy whistles at you like that. (laughs) Actually, my dad is dead. That's literally, yeah. I was like, excuse me. He's like, I bet your daddy whistles at you like that. And I said, actually, not really. He's dead. And he was like saying something. I couldn't really hear him that well. And then, um... And I was kind of hoping that would just completely... Like, shut him down. Just diffuse the situation. Gonna shut it down completely. Like, make things, like, awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah, and he... normally does. Yeah, and he would just be like, oh, I'm so sorry. 
my bad. Like, I just thought you were cute or something. Like, or just fucking stop there. Yeah. Unfortunately, it only encouraged him. And, um, I, like, was kind of trying to mind my own business. And I was, like, at the bar area. And, like, I just turned around. And I'm supposed to get my boyfriend, my friend, and myself a drink. So, like, three drinks. And he comes up and he's like, oh, you look like you, you want whiskey. Or something like that. And I was like, uh, I don't, but my boyfriend would. And he was like, oh, where, where the fuck is your boyfriend? And I was like, he's over there. And he was like, really? Is he? I'm like, no, no, actually, he's like right over there. Like he's like in the corner, but you couldn't really see him. And he's like, oh, I bet your boyfriend does OnlyFans or something, which was really weird. And I just was like, I said something about the company he works for or something. And I just was like, it's pretty clear he makes more than you. Like, I don't remember. It was a stupid comeback, but I was like drunk and whatever. Yeah. Um, my point was, was the audacity that he just kept like coming up and like bothering me. Men don't sometimes just like don't know when to stop. Yeah. Which is like very annoying and very problematic, but like you were very clearly like not into it and shutting it down, but he kept like coming on to you. And I think I like, I think that a lot of girls have had this happen to you. I'm also sorry. Are you finished with your story or did you want to like, well, and I, I can understand also me being like responding in any way can make could be perceived as flirty but the second that someone says i have a boyfriend like Fuck okay off. just yeah. get away like my boyfriend's gonna come and like take some fucking knees if you're not careful like he will harm you so yeah, yeah sorry i'm done with my story as a guy you need to be able to read the room and if like i mean i some guys are just like pieces of shit and like they don't care that they're making you uncomfortable like yeah they literally don't or they just like literally cannot fucking understand that they are mm-hmm. but like that can be, like, super triggering. I think that, like, you know, when you've dealt with any sort of, like, sexual trauma or anything, like, remotely similar to that, and a guy doesn't leave you alone, you can start to, like, panic. And you kind of, like, get into this, like, kind of, like, fight-or-flight response, and you're like, I don't know what to do. Or, like, deer in the headlights, and you just, like, freeze. And so you have to be very conscious, you know, for, like, anyone out there. Like, you have to be very, very aware of how, like, you might be speaking to someone because you don't know like what for they, men or for men and for women honestly yeah. like women can also like do the same to men or like to yeah. other women or like men to other men like it just you really need to be aware of how you are coming across because you might be making that other person uncomfortable because maybe they have like dealt with something that you don't understand and so if someone is giving you a cue to like fuck off just leave them alone just fuck off like it ain't that deep yeah like they don't they're not interested they don't want to talk to you just yeah it's not a personal thing necessarily yeah Um, and I think the thing specifically for women um I'm sure it happens to men too but like specifically for women I I get worried about escalating the situation by saying I'm not comfortable and I could do it in a super respectful way just like hey sorry like not really interested and like it like that could escalate like they could get not necessarily dangerous but they could become more aggressive and so like i think that's something that we worry about a lot it's that same thing of like women worry about you know the route they take home women look behind them when they're on a run at night they probably don't run at night frankly because they're worried about you know all of these things and like men don't really think about that so like if you're a man just like think a little bit before approaching women in a public place i'm not saying don't do it but it's just think a little bit if, if they're giving you negative feedback it's not most likely it's not flirting and frankly just stay on the safe side if someone's saying hey i'm not interested it's probably not them playing hard to get it's probably them not wanting you to do it right um it's that same thing too with like cat calling like when on this fucking planet has a woman been cat called and thought wow what a great guy that is i would <laughs> love for him to take me out to dinner like fuck no all Never. i think is small pp they don't have any women in their life. This is the only way they can like get contact you. And so if you're a man talking to a woman or one woman, man, whatever dynamic, if you're approaching someone and you're expressing interest, if it's like flirty or maybe you're coming on pretty strong and they're not interested, it's going to be way more attractive to just back off like completely. Mm-hmm. Like Lauren said, you need to think about what the other person might've experienced in life. Like not everyone has the same point of view. I don't know if that made it. I feel like I was really like, okay, so we're going to do a little hard switch now. You know, we were just talking about men or aggressing, aggressing people. And now we're going to switch gears into our kind of like sexual assault, sexual assault topic of the day. That sounds weird. But the point is, is we want to talk about 
reacting, like the reactions that you might have after being sexually assaulted and the range of reactions and why like there's no right reaction, there's no wrong reaction and like kind of the, the range of it. So like Lauren and I each had completely different responses after being sexually assaulted and both were okay, but they were just like super duper different. So Lauren's gonna go first. Yeah, and before we begin, I'd also like to add that I think Shannon and I both wanna be like super real and how we reacted did impact court fully, fully. And I like, I don't say that to like scare people away from taking that route, but it is something to keep in mind. And we will talk about this more later um, in like much more detail, but yeah, for me, I was assaulted. It was the first semester of my freshman year of college. Um, and obviously like I was very young. I was in like this like mindset that like, I mean, obviously when you're young, you kind of feel invincible, right? Like you were in this mindset of like, oh, nothing bad could ever happen to me. You're just going to college. You're just going to college. It's fine. Like you hear, like my mom was very much like, you need to be careful. Like cover your drink, like always be with a friend, things like that. But I was always kind of like, eh, like I'm fine. Like nothing like bad. I just had too much like faith in the world, which I, I think that is good and bad in different ways. But I think I just didn't really understand what sexual assault was, what it meant for it to happen to you and then kind of the implications of it. And that very much factored into how I reacted. And I would say like, right after it happened, I knew something was wrong automatically. Um, and I like, I have a very like vivid memory of like standing in the bathroom and I was like staring at myself in the mirror and I was like, what the fuck? Like after being sexually assaulted. Yeah. Like it was just like, felt really weird and unnatural. And I just felt like my insides were just like curling up (laughs) and it was an awful feeling. And kind of the next morning I, I wanted to just like brush it off. And I was also in a lot of denial. Like I was kind of trying to like justify why it might've happened. I kind of was just like, oh, well he was having a hard time. So like, that's why the he man did who it. assaulted you. Yeah, like I just definitely was just like in full blown denial. I was like, no, like it was fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, and so I didn't tell anyone. And I just like kept it to myself. I like saw Shannon the next day and like I said absolutely fucking nothing. Like nothing about it. Like yeah. I couldn't have like I felt like I was really prying for answers because the man that had assaulted you, like we knew he was at the house. Like my parents were in the house, I was in the house, and like I knew he was there really late. Um I there wasn't a thought like I never would have known until now, obviously. Because you were so, like, Joe Cool. Like, I had asked you, like, what happened? What happened? Did you guys talk? Like, what happened? How was he? And you were like, nope, we just, like, talked. It was fine. Like, it was super quiet, super buttoned up. It was very clear you didn't want to talk about it. But I had pushed so much and tried to pry so much, and you didn't say anything. So I just assumed, like, oh, everything was fine. Yeah. And (laughs) I think that, like, part of it, too, right, is that we were at your house. We were at your parents' house. And... They're very like anti sex before marriage and like all that type of stuff. So I kind of figured if I did face this and I came to terms with it and I said something that what if I got like blamed for it or something like that, which is so fucked up, right? Like you want to believe that your family is gonna believe you and trust you and what you say. But I think that society just naturally places a lot of blame on, um, I hate using the word victims, but it like, in this case, I'm going to use the word victim just because like when it's happening, there is something bad happening to you. Um, and so I think that there's just like so much blame automatically placed and like, even through like any sort of process you go through, right. It's like, well, were you drinking? Yeah. Who fucking care? Who gives a shit if I was drinking? Someone raped me. Like, things like yeah. that, right? Like, oh, you were wearing a short skirt. Oh, you were wearing a small top. Like, oh, you it, didn't tell him no. You didn't try to push him off with right. you. So All then it must things, be. Like, society, instead of trying to, like, support and back up victims, just automatically tries to find faults in their story to prove, prove that they're lying. Which is, like, obviously, like, we just live in a misogynistic society and that's what people do. And so I think I was, like, automatically just, like, scared of that happening. And so I didn't, like, 
I didn't want to say anything and I didn't want to risk that happening. I didn't want to risk getting in trouble. And frankly, it was valid. Like, I think my parents are like lovely people. Um, also to backtrack, if you didn't listen to our first episode, Lauren and I are cousins and she went to school like an hour away from my house. So she would just come and like stay sometimes for the weekends. Um, but like, although my parents are really kind people, they do like assault and rape and something was something that had never been talked about with them. And I do think my mom in particular, like, I can totally see why you would have thought that she would blame it on you. Because frankly, like when I told my mom, she blamed it on me, like, and that sucks. So my mom probably would have thought like, oh, you were raped or did you have sex? And you're just saying you were raped. Yeah. Like, and that's so sad to say, like, I love my mom, but I totally understand why. Um, Also, sorry, this is like a brief interruption in your story. But another thing about like misogynistic society, I do want to say, I think there are a fair amount of, um, what is it called? False, false accusations that are happening nowadays. It, you, the hard thing about sexual assault and trial is that usually there's only two people. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Can I pause you there? Yeah. I also like one, when you're saying that before you continue, I just want to say that like false accusations are more publicized in the media. Yeah. So that is why I think that plays a huge role and why people might assume like, oh, she's like accusing someone of this. Oh, she must be lying because like that woman two months ago in the news was lying. Like it's just more publicized than when like someone's actually telling the truth. And I think that's also a huge fucking problem is that like we are advertising the wrong stories. Mm -hmm. And also those people that the the four percent i think it is it's like very tiny that i got the false accusations yeah yeah it's like they are like screwing it up for everyone for else. everyone else that's actually been assaulted yeah yeah and that's how i always feel and it's it's really frustrating because it's like you invalidate the stories of those who went through this mm-hmm. because you have personal gain or whatever and like lauren said it is a small percentage that has false accusation just because someone doesn't get a um doesn't get convicted for their crimes. That doesn't mean it was a false accusation. It just means it wasn't able to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. But like the the stories in the media that do tend to be like sometimes with celebrities, sometimes with not celebrities, um, those stories are the ones that I fucked up. (laughs) The stories that are published in the media do tend to be are sometimes false accusations. And so therefore it's invalidating. And they're loud. Right. They're super loud. It just is like noise and people fucking listen to it. And it's like really heartbreaking and it does make things like very frustrating. And it's very hard. Yeah. And if you haven't, if you're seeing that stuff on the news and you've never been sexually assaulted or anything, like that would be confusing. I'd be like, okay, everyone is all of a sudden out of nowhere saying that they've been sexually assaulted like 10, 20, 30 years ago why is it all of a sudden so like you had the whole me too movement right which brought in a lot of sexual assault that and it just basically like people started talking and they hadn't really spoken before so you have a super loud noise of the me too movement and then it kind of spirals into sometimes you know these big stories that are false um kind of invalidates that entire movement right Mm -hmm. and so as i was saying if you are someone who hasn't been a victim of sexual assault or had someone else that you're close with be sexually assaulted and you're hearing a lot of these false accusations like it makes sense that you would think oh well a lot of them must be false then but that's not necessarily the truth right um yeah i think it's it also really factors in and i like we'll talk about this a lot later as well into like court processes and i think like maybe we should just talk about it now i mean yeah we could um like there's just this kind of sense of like oh you're lying about this because like you're a woman who got angry at being rejected i like we heard that so many fucking times like that was yeah. like like the huge part of the defense's case was that like oh like you're just making this shit up because like you're just angry that like he like didn't want to be with you and it's like excuse me like it is just they they use that part of you the part that is like literally like female and like emotional and try to twist it into like you just want fucking revenge because like you're crazy or it's because defense needs a story as to why you could be saying you got raped and so it's 
Um, it could also be like, in my case, it was, you don't want to tell your mom that you had sex with this person in her house. Cause she, you know, you would be in so much trouble. So you said you got raped like, yeah, you know, or, and for frankly, your reaction, like not telling anybody and being afraid and partly because, you know, you were worried how my parents would react was the exact thing the defense used. They said they didn't happen. It didn't happen because you didn't tell anyone about it. Yeah. So like my response, like totally fucked me in the ass because <laughs> cheers, cheers. <laughs> Because, like, they were literally like, well, you didn't tell anyone, so... It must not be real. It must not be real. You, like, and I was just like, okay, like, seriously? And they're like, you, like, lied, you, whatever. And I was just sitting there, and I'm like... <sighs> Clearly, none of y'all have been through, like, some sort of fucked up shit where you just cannot fucking talk about it. And the fact that that was, like, used against me, was it's, like, very heartbreaking, and it's very hard, and it's not fun... But I knew that they were going to do that, you know, and I prepared for that. And I was like, honestly, ready for that. And I feel like I killed my testimony and like I... In a positive way. Yeah, like in a positive Positive way. Positive killing. And and when they like came at me with the like, well, you just kept your mouth shut and didn't say anything. So it must not be true. I had really great reasons for why I did what I did. But it was hard because it does then make it feel like my response was wrong. And I think sitting here, like we want to tell the world that that's not true like I had to deal with this in the way that like made sense for me and for me like I really needed time to process it and come to terms with it so I just like I kept quiet I kept it to myself I like I went to therapy I worked through it a lot in therapy before I told anyone and like that's what I needed and that doesn't make that wrong just because some piece of shit lawyer tried to like tell me that it you know undermines my entire story that doesn't that doesn't mean what they're saying is right um could you talk about the first time you actually spoke out loud that you had been sexually assaulted like what was that like what was it like you coming to the realization of oh because you can like internally like with your therapist me too maybe because like in your head you can recognize I've been sexually assaulted and your brain can do a pretty solid job protecting it. And like, you know, it's sexual assault deep down, but you can bury it so hard that you never really have to come to terms with it. And you can just live life like that. Like I know people that have been sexually assaulted, you know, 30 years ago. And they're like, well, I had sex, but I said no, but like, it was totally consensual. And I'm like, no, no, you were assaulted. Like that's assault. And they're like, no, and they've just kind of lived in bliss because their brain has protected them. So what was it like saying it out loud and really coming to terms with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that initially it was kind of definitely like a protection mechanism. And you try to, like like I said earlier, like justify it or, oh, well, I said no, but maybe I didn't say it loud enough, whatever it might be. And when like I came like face to face with it, I was in therapy. I had been very, very depressed. Like I, like I had dropped out of school. This was dropped out of college. College. This was the second semester of my freshman year. I dropped out of college. Like I was just like, I couldn't function. I didn't, quote unquote. I didn't know why, you know. And so, I went home and I was like, just basically doing like therapy like all week long. Um, and there was just like one day where I was sitting in my session and. I don't know, like, you know, what led to this conversation because it was a while ago, but I just remember, like, telling him, a therapist, about, like, what happened. I was just like, oh, yeah, like, this one time, like, I had sex with a guy, but I just, I don't know, like, something felt kind of wrong. Like, I I told him that I didn't want to, and I told him no a bunch of times over again, but it kind of just happened anyways, and, like, I don't really understand. And then my therapist is sitting there, and he's like, that's, like, the definition of rape, are you awake? you're like no it's not <laughs> no literally I was like no like <laughs> but he was like no, no no like let's talk about this you know so like we like talked about it and he was like you don't want to like press charges and like I was like oh no like I can't do that like I can't do that and it was kind of just like I think even though I had said it out loud and I was able to like internalize it more I was still like kind of <laughs> distant from it you know, like, like I kind of had, like, dissociated a little bit from 
that reality that happened to me. And I think that happens a lot. I know me and Shannon both have dealt with that, especially going through the court process. Um, and it's a coping mechanism, right? Like, I think like, I just pulled myself so far away from that memory that like doing anything about it was just like, oh, I don't need to. Like, I that's so whatever. Yeah. And it's easier to disconnect and to, than to work through. Exactly. And it really is. And like, it's really hard to work through trauma and to like go into a healing process like that shit is hard and it's tiring you have to come face to face with what happened to you and clearly like I just wasn't in a place where I thought I was ready to but I think that was like really the first step of me like acknowledging that it happened to me and being like okay you know what this is a part of my life and it's part of my story I don't really know what it means for me right now but like the fact that I was able to have a conversation about it was a very big win for my personal growth and my personal healing process I would say so it was kind of empowering almost first scary and then maybe empowering I think that empowering is an interesting word when it comes to this stuff because I think that like I I think I personally I can't speak for you but I got through everything we went through because I was able to empower myself in a certain way I think that accepting your story is empowering but it's also heartbreaking and it can also lead to a lot of like oh like what did i do wrong did i do something wrong like is like you start to place blame on yourself in some ways especially early on Mm -hmm. so even though eventually it does become empowering i think in the moment it's like oh like am i weak Mm -hmm. am i like is there like something wrong with me like i i don't like that's kind of that initial response I'd say. I also think if you're someone who like does a lot or has achieved a lot in life or is like a generally active person, um, when all of a sudden like you can't get out of bed, you can't brush your teeth, you're not eating and you're like, I don't know what's going on. Like that realization alone, I think is really challenging as well. Yeah. Um, cause you just feel broken and you're like, something's fucking wrong with me. I feel like a loser. For, there's like shame. Exactly. There's so much. Like you feel shame. guilty for not being able to do the things that have been that were so easy before. Mm-hmm. Like I truly, before being sexually assaulted, like I had days where I was tired or sad or whatever. Like I was a competitive athlete, like a high level athlete. You know that's normal. Being tired is normal. But then after being sexually assaulted, it was like I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to eat. I don't want to do that. Or I want to eat so much. Like. It was just this, like, everything is hard, which I think is called depression. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, speaking of that, maybe do you want to, like, talk about kind of your experience afterwards? Yeah. So, like, Lauren had said, you know, she didn't tell anyone for a long time. And when she did after that, she um, had started, like, when she started to tell people, it was still hard to tell more people, like you didn't tell one person then all of a sudden it unfolded into a lot of others. Like you told your therapist and then you told me and like eventually I think you told your parents, but it was a slow unfold. Whereas for me, like within probably 15 minutes of being sexually assaulted, I tried to call Lauren because I realized that was why she hated this man. Like I, I didn't understand why she hated him. I had no idea that she had been sexually assaulted. And then after I was assaulted, I immediately knew like it all clicked. Lauren didn't answer. It was late at night. So then I called one of my childhood friends and she had said, you need to go to the hospital. And like on the phone, I had said like, I, it was FaceTime. I just had a really intense emotional crying moment on the toilet in my bathrobe. Um, and I just felt like, I felt like internally I need to tell someone. I I don't know why. I just felt like I need to tell someone. And frankly, it might've been because, um, which I, I'll talk a little bit more about this in a second. It might've been because I, my, so, <laughs> sorry, words confusing. Are yeah, words are hard. Um, I was also in my first semester of college when it happened to me. Lauren's like a year older than me. Um, a year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember like the week of orientation, they had like a video, like the, the, the bike video, which is about consent. It's like, you can't make someone ride a bike if they don't want to ride a bike. And it's supposed to be a metaphor for being sexually assaulted. Like someone might've said they want to go on a bike ride with you last week. And then this week they don't go, want to go on a bike ride with you. 
you can't force someone to get on the bike and ride. And in that whole like sexual assault orientation thing, they had mentioned like you need to tell someone if you've been assaulted or you need to go to the hospital. So after being sexually assaulted, I don't know if it was that or just an instinct, but I just knew like I need to call someone. And I called my friend and I said, I, I think I was raped. Like this is what happened. And I was really distraught, um, like very, very disheveled. But I remember my words were like, I, I, th- I think I was raped. And she said, you need to go to the hospital. And so she was out of town. So I called um, someone that I knew that was in town, a close friend of mine. And she was spending the night with another one of my friends. So, you know, I've called Lauren, she didn't answer, but I had called, I talked to one person and then I talked to another person who picked me up with my other friends. So now I've told three people within the span of like 20 minutes of being sexually assaulted. Then we go to the hospital. We do that whole thing. Um, Later on, um, my other friend, so I was a figure skater for a long time. And within that community, like your friends become your family. Like pretty much everyone in figure skating lives without their parents starting at the age of 15. My parents were still around, but all of my friends were living just with each other. It's like college, basically no parents, but like much younger (laughs) starting at 15. And so a fourth friend of mine was coming into town and he was really close and I was staying with my friend because I didn't want to go home. And I told him and it was just this thing of like each day would go by and like I would be seeing new people and they would be like, why, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like you seem so out of it. And I would tell them because I felt like I had this close knit group and I needed to tell people. It was just this like desire to get it out of me. Like I just wanted to like push it out where I think Lauren kind of like pushed it down. And for me, I just wanted to like get rid of it. It didn't get rid of it. Fun fact, telling people does not make you (laughs) any less sad. Um, Sorry, this is kind of intense. I'm feeling intense. I'm feeling a little dissociative right now. It's okay. He talks about Um, it a lot. It makes sense. What? Oh, yes. But the difference is, so Lauren had kind of mentioned in court, you know, they had said, well, you didn't tell anyone, so it must not have happened. And for me, when I was in court, they said, well, you told everyone because you were bragging to the world that you had sex with this tall, handsome man who is going to be in the military, like, or in, in, we could just say, in the Air Force. And so they took two completely different stories and twisted them to work for their defense. And so this is probably a perfect example of telling a bunch of people is not the right way and it's not the wrong way. Not telling anyone is not the right way and it's not the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess better phrased is, however you respond, it just is. Like, just respond that way. I do think like I would recommend going to therapy afterwards. I would still encourage you to tell someone and like recognize what it is so you can work through it. But if you don't want to tell anyone for a while, like that's okay. Because frankly, regardless, if you go to court, it's going to bite you in the ass anyways. So you might as well react whatever feels natural to you. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say like, oh, you, you know, shouldn't go to court or you shouldn't tell your story. It's just a defense has to make a case. And that's just how the world works. Mm -hmm. And they're going to use whatever parts of their story, of your story that they can. And it's hard to be prepared for that, but there are ways to be prepared for that. And if you have a good support system, a good, hopefully a decent attorney of some sort, like they will help guide you through that. But I think that for me... I made the decision not to tell anyone and I did that because I didn't really understand what I had went through and what I had dealt with, but it did get very lonely. And I think a lot of times you can get into this space of like, I feel so alone right now and no one could possibly understand the pain that I'm in. And I felt that and I felt that very deeply, especially once like, even when the kind of court process really started, like the I'd week be, of trial kind but of even saying. like leading up to that and things like that like I'd be at school and I like I didn't tell any of my close friends because I was just like what the fuck is the point like they don't get it like they're not gonna understand like I might as well just like not tell anyone like I'm just gonna go deal with this and then I'll come back like it never happened but like that that's not how this works and I do think that there is a very 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 powerful thing to sitting down with the people that you trust and that you're close to and saying, hey, 
this thing happened to me. This is what I'm dealing with right now. I like, I don't necessarily like need advice. Like, I just want you to know because like sometimes I have a hard day and I want you to understand why. And like, I just like want to know that like I have you and that I have your support. And once I started doing that and building up the courage to just like tell my friends what I was going through, none of them shut me down. None of them were like, what the fuck? They were all- Cause they're good so, people. Yes, because they're all so loving and so supportive. And I was just like, hey, like, I just like, I just want you to be there for me. That's all I asked for. And they were, and I still felt alone in certain ways, but I think that so much of that loneliness was taken away because then when I was hanging out with my friends, they just, they knew, like they knew that that was what I was going through. And some nights I'd just like not be in a great mood and they understood, no questions asked. And I finally felt like connected to people again. And I feel like I kind of pulled myself away from the relationships that meant the most to me because I just thought that no one could possibly understand. But you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter if they understand exactly what they're going through. What matters is that they support you and they have your back. And like that can literally save your life. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. Because if somebody knows, then even if they might not be able to fix it, but they can like sit with you in it. Like they can sit there and let you cry. They don't need to talk to you about it. They don't need to do anything, but they can just kind of sit in your pain from a distance, I would say. Um, Something also that I learned from telling a lot of people, like when they started the investigation, um, wow, sorry, I'm having like so many fucking thoughts all at once right now. (laughs) Um, But so... I guess to kind of like rewind a little bit, actually, this isn't a tip because I don't want to give anyone like the advice on how to go to court the perfect way. But something that also bit me in the ass was I had told like 12 people pretty quickly because they were my closest friends. They were my parents. They were my therapist, um, mainly friends. But then all 12 of those people were brought in when the investigation began. And they were all asked the same questions of what did Shannon tell you? What did she say the hospital was like? How did she find out? What did she say right after sex? And I think my story was really consistent because I think I do tend to tell, tell stories pretty consistently. And if you don't tell stories consistently, it doesn't mean that's a lie, that it's not what I'm saying. But I think I was pretty fortunate because everyone went in and pretty much said the same thing. But even the like super minute details about what I said, like, right after being raped were kind of used against me in court. And so it just was like, wow, I'm so glad I had this great support system. But also if I tell all these people and something is wrong and if you have like super big discrepancies in those stories, yeah, it's hearsay once they go in, but it doesn't mean that it's not gonna be used against you. Um, So that was one of my thoughts. The other one was from telling so many people, I also learned how many people have been sexually assaulted. Yeah. I had a friend, um, the friend who actually drove me to the hospital that night. And I think it was like that week after being sexually assaulted, she had started having dreams about like being molested when she was a kid. That's what being molested is. It's a child thing. But um, she like remembered being molested that next week, like through her entire childhood, which is horrible but it like unlocked these memories. And so there was that. And then there's also just these people that you would never think have been sexually assaulted. And then you can like really talk to them about it. Like I talked to my sophomore year college roommate after, and like you would just be surprised how many people have been affected like that, affected by this. And although it's incredibly sad, I always say it's like, you're you're a part of this really not so exclusive club where everyone has a slightly different experience, but you can all relate on like some level. Like, cheers, welcome to the sexual assault club. This shit sucks. But there's so many of us and like we're all in it together whether you know it or not. Yeah. Um, Definitely talking, communicating, it makes you realize that you're not alone in these experiences and that's a pretty pretty powerful feeling. So if you take anything away from this episode, it's just that, you know, do what feels right for you. But if you are feeling lonely or nervous or scared to come forward, have a conversation like this with one of your closest friends, I promise you, you are gonna feel like a weight has been lifted off of you in a way. 
and someone else can also help carry that sometimes and that is okay yeah but also like tell the right people like if you are in a group of friends who really like you never talk about emotional things i would try to find someone that you can confide in it might be someone who's on like it might be someone you don't see every day or every week but it's someone you can get deep with like you know we were talking about this on the last episode, like being close to someone's vulnerability is a luxury. Mm-hmm. And so like this information about being sexually assaulted is something that I do believe it's healthy to share. Like it was saying, or we believe that it's healthy and good to share, but think about who you're sharing it with. Because also if you do talk to someone and they have a horrible reaction, it's going to fucking blow. But also you just realize they're not your real fucking friend. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them. I was like pretty deep. I felt like that was kind of heavy. How are you it feeling? It was heavy. So, you know, go drink a fucking glass of wine or a bottle. I don't know. It's each their own. Shannon's opening up another... Kombucha. Kombucha, which is fucking nasty, but, you know. Um, you oh, my God. ASMR is going to be so... Oh, my God, stop. Why is it that color? This shit is, like, dark blue. But like not like a good dark blue. Like looks like soap. Okay, well yours looks like piss, so Yeah, if someone's really fucking dehydrated. Would you rather have soap or piss to drink? That's what this looks like. Um what time are we at? Sixty seven minutes. Oh fuck. Okay. Yeah. Um Well as recap, today was a little bit heavier. Our goal is to like really talk about these things in a very chill, fun way. But the reality of a situation is, like, sometimes they ain't chill nor fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, I literally, like, the brain is not activating. Like, I think that was actually a lot more than I was anticipating today. Um, Yeah, let's... Yeah, sorry, wrap it up. Let's wrap this shit up. Um, Thank you so much for listening to our podcast uh, called uh, What They Don't Say, Sexual Assault and Everything in Between. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful. Remember, regardless of how you respond to being sexually assaulted, there is no right or wrong way. Um, we do recommend talking to people about it. Um, it will be used against you in court, so just do what you feel is best. Anything, literally anything you do, you breathe wrong, they'll some, somehow... They'll, they'll fuck you. Just like, we'll talk about that more later. We'll talk about how to prep for court more later. But until then, thank you for listening and tune in and we next appreciate you. week. And you're yeah. doing great. You're killing it. What are you thinking? If you okay, didn't get out of bed today, up. you're right. doing... Okay, yeah, sorry. Lauren. Done. Okay, we're done. All right, cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs>